From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Especially as we get older, maintaining retina health is one way to help preserve good vision. Today, I'm talking with researcher Dr. Amiria Zdonner, an assistant professor of ophthalmology and visual sciences, neuroscience and physiology at Upstate. Thank you for making time to speak with me, Dr. Yazdaner. Of course, glad to be here with you guys today. Well, retinal disease is a leading cause of blindness, so I wanted to ask you what people can do to keep their eyes healthy. Are there risk factors that increase someone's chances of developing retinal disease? Uh, definitely, there are risk factors. Um, some parts of the factors are related to um, your pedigree, your family, what kind of genes you have and what kind of eye disease uh, run in your family. And most of the time, we won't be able to modify any of those the genetic risk factors. Uh, there are some environmental factors as well, uh, such as how you behave, your diet, exercise, and your habits. And now we know that a lot of retinal disease are uh, basically uh, get worse uh, with a lot of um, environmental factors, I, I must say. For example, lack of nutrients, lack of vitamins is one of the risk factors that can uh, make your retinal disease worse. Smoking is another huge risk factor uh, for diabetic disease, for age-related macular disease, or even for inherited retinal disease. When the patient is a smoker, uh, we always see that the progression of the disease is much, much faster. So just to summarize, I should say there are a variety of genetic and also environmental factors that we can actually modify them to the best of our knowledge, and this way we can slow down the progression of retinal disease. Now, some of us grew up being told to eat carrots because they were good for our eyes. Is, is there any truth to that? <laughs> That's a very good point. I, I remember my mom actually told me the same thing when I was growing up. I think it's a valid point, and it's a good example of how we can have a healthy diet and healthy habits, actually. Um, how, eating carrots, per se, provides a lot of nutrients, including vitamin A, which is very fundamental for the function of your uh, photoreceptors, which are basically the cells in your retina that capture the light and um, translate into the image. But beyond that, uh, I think, um, you know, this recommendation actually points towards having a better, healthy diet, healthier snacks, and eating a lot of leafy vegetables, a lot of fruit, and fish, olive oil. So overall, I think the recommendation is having a healthy diet, something closer to Mediterranean lifestyle, a lot of green leafy vegetables, colorful fruits, fish, and olive oil. That's the perfect combination to maintain a healthy and vibrant eyesight. All right. Well, let's talk about some of the symptoms. How would someone know that something might be wrong with their retina? That's a good question. Uh, I have to kind of put different people in different categories. Obviously, at the younger age, the, the symptoms and the signs that can be picked up by the teachers, by the family, by, by, the, by the physicians would be different from older age. At younger age, we do see a lot of um, uh, abnormal movement of the eye. For example, if the eye doesn't see well, uh, they tend to kind of drift inward or outward. That could be one of the early signs that there is something wrong with the eye, either a retinal disease or the corneal problem or 
even like a opacification of the lens. And most of the time kids, they present or they manifest with like a change of their behavior as well. Uh, when we look at like an older age, when patient can verbalize very well, what, is, what are the problems? Usually they present uh, their symptoms such as blurriness, um, not having like normal peripheral vision. Sometimes they come to us and they complain of not being able to drive at nighttime, for example, or they have a lot of halos or glare when they are driving at nighttime and the cars are coming from the opposite uh, direction. In, you know, a very sight-threatening vi uh, visual problems, such as retinal detachment, for example, usually they come in with flashes of light, um, significant number of floaters, or even vision loss. So based on the age and also the type of the disease they have, they, they come to us with different presentation. Obviously, they have different symptoms. Now, a lot of people are kind of conditioned to have their eyes examined, you know, every year, especially if, if you wear glasses or, or, um, or contacts. When you go to an optometrist, do they uh, examine the retina? Is that part of a typical exam? Um, I'm not sure about that if they examine the patient uh, on every visit, but I'm pretty sure on a regular basis, maybe like an annual exam, most of the time they dial it the patient. Like nowadays, we do have technology that would kind of help us to get a non-dilated fundus picture that basically would give us a very understanding of what's going on with the retina and inside of your eye without uh, needing the patient to be dilated. And that's one of the ways that they can kind of bypass dilation and uh, you know, do a proper job in examining the patient. I do get a lot of patients uh, from optometrists that they found something on the routine exam and they come to us just because they notice something like that. And I think their optometrists or colleagues, they are doing a great job in screening the patients and we get a lot of interesting cases from them as well. This is Upstate's Health Link on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with Dr. Amir Yazdaner, an assistant professor of ophthalmology and visual sciences and neuroscience and physiology at Upstate. So I want to get into some of the research you're involved with, but first I feel like we need to talk about what retinopathy is, because I know you've got some, some papers published on that recently. What is retinopathy? So I usually use this analogy to explain to my patient that what is retina. I usually tell them that just remember one of those uh, old cameras. There is a lens in the front and there is a film in the back. That film in the in the inside of the camera is your retina, and it's made of vasculatures and also multiple layers of cells. And the function of these cells that they are uh, coordinated together is to capture the light and translate it into electrical signal that goes into your brain and it will be processed there and we create a picture. So when we talk about retinopathy, we are talking about a variety of disease that can affect the function of the retinal vasculature or each one of those cells that basically provide the retinal function. And we have variety of disease such as like a systemic disorder as simple as high blood pressure that can affect the function of the retina in terms of the vascular flow and damage into the retinal tissue. We have systemic problems such as diabetes that can damage the retinal vasculature as well as a neurosensory retina. 
And we do have some inherited retinal disease that specifically they can target uh, photoreceptors or the cells that basically capture the light and create the image. So overall, if I want to summarize that retinopathy is an insult that can cause damage to the retinal vasculature or the sensory part of the retinal tissue. And the outcome of this problem is usually significant vision loss. Wow. So is that how most people find out they have retinopathy is they have some vision loss? Uh, it depends on the cause of the problem. Um, if they have, um, for example, some of the patient, they go and uh, get radiation because of the, they have cancer elsewhere and they end up having some blurry vision and some vision loss. And most of the time we examine those patients and we found that they have some significant damage to, to the retina. Uh, I think uh, it depends that the manifestation of retinopathy depends on the underlying cause of retinopathy. In some of the patients, this happens very acutely uh, because of, for example, trauma or they have like a recent uh, radiation. Or in some other patient, which um, they have like a systemic problem such as diabetes for 20, 30 years at the very earliest stages, usually they don't realize that there is something going on in their eye and that potentially can damage their vision. And most of those patients, they come after like they have significant damage to their retina without knowing that this has been going on for such a long time. So I think the type of the disease is very important in terms of manifestation and how early patient can uh, be symptomatic. We do recommend that a lot of patients with like a systemic disorder, they need to have regular eye exams. And I think the prompt example is diabetic patient. They must have a regular eye exam. Sometimes they don't realize that they have issue, but when we, see, when we show them the picture of the retina, they will be amazed at how much damage and bleeding they have without having any ocular manifestation that they can perceive. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you about the um, diabetic retinopathy, because your research um, has has looked at using bone marrow stem cells to treat that. Can you tell us about that? Sure. I, I mean, the underlying problem uh, with diabetic retinopathy is most of the vasculature of the retina are severely damaged because of long-term high level of blood sugar. And um, now we know that uh, one of the function of the stem cells in the bone marrow is they migrate and they go to the site of the damage to the vasculature. And they try to fix this vascular damage and repair this vascular damage by the way of engraftment meaning that the stem cells can be incorporated in the structure of the vasculatures, or by the way of producing some chemicals that can help to repair the vasculature. So in a normal healthy individual, this pathway is constantly in effect, and this bone marrow stem cells, they can migrate from your bone marrow into your eyes, and they can maintain the health of your vasculature. Uh, because of the research we have done in the last 10 years, now we know that this migration of this bone marrow stem cells in diabetic patients is compromised. And most of these stem cells, they are not able to enter the eye and also do their job that they were supposed to. And in one of the studies that we did, we wanted to know if we 
injected healthy, normal bone marrow driver stem cells into the eye of diabetic individuals, uh, whether or not we are able to kind of compensate for the lack of the presence of these bone marrow stem cells and we can prevent uh, diabetic retinopathy. So that was the merit behind like, you know, designing uh, and a series of experiments. We used a mouse model of diabetic retinopathy and then we harvested this bone marrow driver stem cells uh, from a bone marrow of healthy individual. And uh, throughout the very sophisticated process, we isolated these cells and we then injected these cells into the eye of this uh, uh, mice that uh, they showed the sign of diabetic retinopathy. And we were able to show that with the, in the presence of healthy bone marrow driver stem cells, we are able to slow down the progression of diabetic retinopathy in these animals when we compare them with the animals that didn't receive the bone marrow stem cells at all. And these are very promising results. First of all, it will prove that this, uh, the pathway of this, the protective pathway of the stem cells um, in the health of the retinal vasculature is valid. And we might be able to kind of use this technique to, use, to actually treat this diabetic patient by the way of a stem cell therapy. And hopefully we can not only slow down the progression of disease, also we can move towards uh, repairing this damaged vasculature as well. Wow, so that's encouraging. You focused on retinopathy that was starting to develop. So for the purpose of the research that we did, we actually used the mice that they were diabetic for at least six months. And they did show the sign of diabetic retinopathy. And at a specific time point, we injected those animals actually with the stem cells. And we looked at the progression of diabetic retinopathy in the control group versus a stem cell treated group. And what we found was in the group that they receive a stem cell, they have a slower progression of diabetic retinopathy in a similar condition. Wow. That kind of points towards the, the, the therapeutic effect of the stem cells in treatment of um, diabetic retinopathy. Uh, there are some, uh, I did most of this research during my fellowship uh, with Dr. Susanna Park at UC Davis. And uh, I think they are starting doing early phase clinical trial, actually using diabetic patient with diabetic retinopathy. And they are planning actually to go ahead with this uh, human study and use this stem cell in reality and see if we can replicate the results that we observed uh, in preclinical study and animal studies. If you were able to potentially slow the progression, is there potential that you could reverse damage? Uh, that's a very good point. Uh, we don't have uh, firsthand evidence to show that we can reverse the damage at this point. Uh, the problem with animal study is we, we are not able to continue this study for a long time. And most of the time uh, for look at like a long-term effect of a stem cell therapy, we have to be able to at least look at the a time period of like six months to a year after a stem cell therapy and look at the same location of the insult and see if those vasculature are behaving differently or not, or maybe the, the course of diabetic retinopathy has been reversed because of the effect of a stem cells. And this is something that we haven't been able to do in animal studies because of the limitations. But uh, when we start the actual clinical trials, uh, we have a better opportunity and better chance to look at like each individual 
uh, longitudinally to look at like the progression of diabetic retinopathy in a six months or a year. And I would say that would provide us a better answer and better insight into the value of diabetic retinopathy and also the long-term outcome of this approach. Wow, it's very interesting. Thank you to Dr. Amir Yazdanyar, an assistant professor of ophthalmology and visual sciences and neuroscience and physiology at Upstate. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.